0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Good to see you all. Interested to see what spaghettis and, spaghetti and marshmallows looks like that will be interesting. Thanks for that Warwick. Sounds like a Warwick thing, all right, that. So we're um, <laughs> um, we're in our foundation series, you know where we are. We've been running through this for quite a long time now, looking at what how Paul established the early churches and what he actually taught them. And we're right down at the bottom looking at responsible living. And so, how to be sober and watchful, really important. We shared last week about how it's really important in this day and age to discern the times. If you're watching the same news I'm watching and detecting what's going on, I feel a little bit like a spiritual metal detector at the minute. I sense this in my spirit, and I know talking to many people, you're the same. That is a bit going like, beep, 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 beep It looks like something is happening in the spiritual realm, and God is aligning, and... Um, it's an exciting day in which to live. And, of course, we looked last week in First Chronicles 12, I think it was, verse 32, mentions about the sons of Issachar. It says that they knew the times. They had discernment of the times. And so it's really important. Remember that Jesus, when he rebuked the Pharisees, he rebuked them because they didn't know the times. He said, you, you can look at the red sky in the morning and say it's going to be a bad day, and you can look at the red sky at night and say it's going to be a good day tomorrow. He said, You know how to discern the weather, but he said, You can't discern the times. That was his rebuke to the Pharisees. And so it's really important that we understand how to. Um, discern the times. Last week we looked at this word expect or expectancy and and my challenge to you is, as a church is how to live in, in, a, in an age of expectancy, how to live with that expectant heart, knowing that God is doing something and we should expect something to happen in the realm of the kingdom. And so um, what we did last week, that was our big word, it's going to be here in front of you. Um, and last week we looked at that sort of expectancy of prayer, that idea of an atmosphere that we all carry, we we carry it in our room, we carry it in our marriage, we carry it, it's our sort of persona, that pervading our surrounding influence, um, which is a general mood or sets an environment, which is really important. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at accountability, because accountability is to be alive unto God. I'm going to have it here somewhere. but I want you to keep it in that there's an atmosphere of accountability. You see, when we talk about accountability, sometimes what happens is we think of, well, I need to get people in my life that I can be accountable to. And that is so true. And that's why we do Life Group. That's why Life Group 3, Life Group 12 is so, so important for you, because we believe that you're better together. I think under the fall that we're deficit in some areas, and so we need each other. This is the truth. You need me. I know that totally freaks you out. But I need you. You need me. We need each other. And so we complete each other as a kingdom. And that's how it works. And that's why life group is so, so important. But accountability is more than that. Because first and foremost, we are accountable to God. One day, one day, each and every one of us will stand before the throne of God. And the Bible says that we will give an account of every deed done in the body. That's the exact words. Every deed. Every word spoken. Every thought. We're gonna, And that's going to be a pretty strong atmosphere of accountability. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. You won't be able to look to me or pastor. You won't be able to look to your mom or dad or, or to anybody else. You won't be able to look to your life group at that point, it'll be between you and God. And that's why it's so important. So first and foremost, we need to be accountable to God. We need to be accountable to ourselves. And we need to be accountable to leadership, to church environments. And you allow people into your life. And accountability in life group, you allow people into your life. We believe that that in fellowship, and we believe in support. And, and And I think if you're going to be sober and watchful, you need that. And so what I want to do today is I want to 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 try and unpack four things really quickly. There's going to be loads of notes here. And if you would like them emailed to you, just give your email address at the back and we'll fire you the notes or the PowerPoint, whatever you would like. So some two or three people said, Phil, you went so fast in the first service, I never got it down. But I I want us to talk about your relationship with God. I want to First and foremost, I want you to think about your accountability to God. I want you to think about your experience of God's um, power in supernatural proportions, and I want us to think about fresh encounters. How to increase the hunger and appetite? If appetites have dwindled a little bit, if they're not as strong as they were in the realm of spiritual things, how do we how do we psych that up a little bit? And then um, we want to look at how to break all limitations. I was driving down the Portadown Road the other day, and I noticed a car boot sale. And they're thinking, you know, why do you do a car boot sale? But you do a car boot sale because your garage is stuffed with stuff or, or you have a room somewhere and you just think, we need rid of this. Why not fill the car boot and let's go sell some stuff and get rid of it. And I think it wouldn't do us any harm for us to have a good spiritual car boot sale. Get rid of some stuff, try and offload some stuff out of our um, out, of our, out of our lives, because if we're going to do that, we need to restore some stuff. We need to restore our hearts. We need to restore our purity and our strength and our worship and our accountability and all of those things, our generosity, our, our vision, and maybe even the walls, even some of the walls of our life that has crumbled a little bit. You know, there's a verse, I think it's in Proverbs 25, 28, actually, it is 25, 28, that says that a, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person with no self-control, or one of the versions uses the words restraint, without restraint in their life, it's actually like a city with broken down walls. And often, as we get older, uh, it's easy to allow things to slip, and so I'm going to challenge older people today, and I'm going to challenge younger people today, all right? Um, Some of the younger people in this room think the older you get, the easier it gets, now, when I said that in the first service, I could notice all the old heads going like this here. It doesn't get easier. The older it gets, I can assure you, you need to, and, and, and I think the, the, more I deal with, the more I deal with leaders, the more I deal with people outside of this church, the more I deal with people, my own generation, who have let their walls break down. They've, they've, they've let themselves get loose in certain areas, and so it's really important that we understand this. When we look at all of this, we, I think of Israel. Israel became a, a nation. It um, was called in Genesis 12 through Abraham. And then whenever they were looking at a king, having time to go through all the story, their first king was a guy called Saul. And Saul was about probably about 6'4", I imagine. He was head and shoulders above most people. So he was quite tall. He's probably like um, Warren Stacker there, big, tall guy. Um, I I was talking to Warren up the street the other day, and I was getting a creak in my neck. Um, So Saul was probably about 6'4", 6'5", maybe, big guy. And he was chosen of God to be the first king of Israel. Some people say, oh, he wasn't really. He was chosen of man. And David was chosen of God. Nonsense. They were both chosen of God. He was chosen of God. He had the exact same opportunities, the, ex, the exact same um, opportunities and, and, and decisions that he needed to make. He just made some wrong ones. And after 40 years of reigning as the king of Israel, he died in Mount Gilboa. And he died by his own sword. He committed suicide before he would allow himself to go into the hands of the enemy him and Jonathan both. And um, the sad thing about that, I have told you this before, the sad thing about that is that he died pretty close to where he was anointed king. So while unity was formed under Saul's reign, there was never any ground taken. He never expanded the kingdom, not one inch, because he was too busy. He was a, he was a maniac in jealousy, and it, it, it destroyed his life. He couldn't allow the younger generation to grow. He couldn't allow them to get better than him. And so he hounded David and everybody else. And he just spent his life fighting the wrong enemy. And then he died. David took over the kingship. And David, as a king, ruled the exact same time. He ruled 40 years. And it became mighty under his rule. And if you study it, you'll find that under the the rule of David, the kingdom expanded by 60,000 square miles. Now, think about that. 60,000 square miles. That's why David was known as a bloody king. He wasn't allowed to build the temple because he had blood in his hands. But you can imagine why. He accomplished so much. He built a mighty, mighty nation under his rule. And then Solomon came in after him. And Solomon was a man of peace. And so there was peace. And Solomon was allowed to build the temple because he was a man of peace. And then Solomon's two sons took over, and they were called Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and they were scoundrels. They were two scoundrels. And under their rule, the, the kingdom split, and ten of the kingdoms went north, became known as the northern kingdoms, and under the, they were known as Israel. So the northern kingdoms, the ten tribes, were known as Israel, and the southern tribes were known as Judah, two tribes. So you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom in those two kingdoms over the next generations, they would have 19 kings each. So 19 kings would rule in each of these two nations, and they would, they would battle with each other. They would even fight other nations, but they would fight each other. And of, of Israel, all the kings in Israel were all evil. There was no good kings in the northern, in the northern nations, none at all. And of the 19 kings in the southern tribe, in the, in the southern kingdom, there was eight good kings, eight out of the 19. And we're going to look at one of them this morning. And, and, and so it's really important that we understand that our hearts need to be right. And what we're going to do, all of these good kings, by the way, all of the good kings of the eight were measured by David, <laughs> said he did right like his father, David. It was like David was used like the measuring rod. What a, what a powerful thing. He was the standard, uh, and I believe it was because he had accountability and because he was sober and watchful, at least in his early years. He wasn't in his latter years. He let it slip, older men, older women. He let it slip in his, in his latter years, as did Solomon, as did many people as they got older. So so important that we understand as we get older, we need to be careful Not to get bitter, but to get better, all right? And so we're going to look at the 15th king. He was a guy called Josiah. We read about him in 2 Chronicles 34, um, and we're going to read about it in a moment or two. But he was a young man. He became king when he was just eight years of age, and he restored purity in what was Judah's darkest hour. As a matter of fact, Judah was slipping to the end of their history. Just after um, his reign, Josiah's reign, just shortly after, the, the kingdom of Judah would come under the siege of Babylon and they would end, they end up in Babylon for 70 years. They would, under, they, would, they would be under the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Babylon would strip them of every right and every privilege, every religious right they had would go and they would come under the Babylonian system for 70 years. They would travel 700 miles to get there. And this indeed was Judah's darkest hour, and it was at that point that 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 at that horrible ending that this 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 passage comes into being. This is under the reign of King Jeroboam, and King Jeroboam is at the altar, and he's about to make a sacrifice to a foreign god, and and this prophet, this word of the Lord of a man of God, came from Judah to Bethel. And he says, by the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. And he made a prophecy against the altar. And he said, this is what's going to happen in this altar. And God's going to judge this altar. And he says, there's going to come a man called Josiah. And he's going to be from the house of David. Now, this is pretty cool. Pretty cool that, this would, that a prophet would prophesy this. And, and he would put his head on the block. He knew he would probably lose his life for giving this prophecy. And he did. All right, so he knew that. Um, but the cool thing about this is it was 300 years before Josiah was born. This prophetic word was 300 years prior to the event. So it's this sort of perfectly timed idea that, that and, and, and the idea of this prophecy being incredibly accurate. Shows me that God has a plan for every person, every decade, every generation, and every century. Nothing takes God by surprise. And you and I should know that. But when we see it in print, I think it becomes pretty cool. He he knew that that Josiah would be born when thousands of prophets were Worshipping Baal, which was all about immorality. And he had his man in line. God had his man there ready to do this thing. God knows exactly who you are. He knows your date of birth. He knows the plan. He knows he formed you in the womb. He has a plan and a destiny for you. But you must hear it. You must know it. And you must obey it and walk into it. You say, Phil, how how do you get that? Well, Psalm 139 is a great psalm. To, to remind you of this, he says, He created your innermost being, knit you together in your mother's womb. He said, uh, the psalmist is said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's a couple of things about this verse. All the kids are out at Sunday school so I can say this. this. This is why sex is holy. This is why sexual relationship between a man and a woman under a marriage covenant is a holy thing. God watches the bedroom. God watches the bedroom. Scary, isn't it? And so that's why it's so important, older men, older women, that we keep it holy. We keep our lives holy before God when it comes to to, to sexual purity. It's so important. Younger generation, really important that you keep yourself holy. All right, keep yourself holy. Keep yourself for marriage under a marriage covenant to somebody that you will commit to for life. So important. And so it's in this, in this idea that you are a Josiah for your day, that God knew you even before you were born. He saw, He saw that sexual act between your mother and your father. He saw that been implanted in your mother's womb. He watched it as it grew. He had a plan and a destiny for it. In Ephesians 2.10, it says he even had the work sorted out for that little fetus that would grow into a person and become born and and and, and it would be a person and, and grow and grow up and and walk into the, 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 the finality and the power and the anointing of what God has for them. So you might say, well, what can I do, Phil? What, it seems like the world's getting worse. And worse. Well, it is. It is. Your, your judgment is right. The world is getting worse and worse. But as the kingdom of darkness gets darker and darker, the kingdom of light gets lighter and lighter, the glory of God rises at a, at a humongous rate. And the power of this anointing that pulls us in this direction is so powerful because where sin abounds, grace just much more abounds. And the darkness of the world is always overcome by the light. It's like the little girl that said, about her, said to her mommy about the, lamp, the street lamp said, isn't it funny how they cut holes in the darkness? <laughs> isn't it funny how they cut holes in the darkness? So God, God's not caught out. He has you right where he wants you. And so here's what we read about this boy, Josiah. It says, before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart with all of his soul, with all of his might, and with all the law of Moses. A bit like the Great Commission, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Here's a boy, does it? And, and, and this is the thing. No one can turn your heart for you. You must turn your heart. You must do it yourself. Notice the four alls. Josiah was an all man, he was all, he was a special boy, nothing was left out. So I might challenge to you as we do this run into glory, whatever length of time we have, that we become all people, not little people, not little bit of prayer, or a little bit of Bible reading, or a little bit of emotion, or a little bit of giving, or a little bit of spirit, or a little mind, or a a little bit of dedication, or a little witnessing, that we're just living and a fraction of, of what we're called to be. And sometimes, here's the sad thing, we can get comfortable with that, comfortable at just living at a fraction. One day you're going to stand before God and he's going to ask you, young person, he's going to ask you, older person, what did you do with the giftings? What did you do with your talents? Did you bury them like the person with the one? Or did you, did you go and work them? Did you stir them up, that, that gifting within you? Because one day we're going to give an account of that. So we need to become all persons. An old person. Not like a, Elijah. Elijah was sitting in the cave and he's saying, God, it's only me, it's only me. And God says, my version of it is God says, wise up, Elijah. 7,000. I have 7,000 people who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But the problem is you're sitting in the cave. You never find them in the cave. You need to get out of the cave and go look for them. And some of us are sitting in our little caves thinking, well, the world is getting darker and darker. And it is. But we, there's, you know, here's the, here's the beautiful thing about it, we're not down for the count, folks. We're not a dying breed. We're the most incredible um, body of people on planet Earth today. We are the body of Christ. There is a God in heaven. And he, we have a king, and his name is Jesus. And that's why we worship him this morning. Because he is our King of kings, and he is our Lord of lords. So the way to see this through is to understand that there are thousands like us, There's millions like us. They reckon there's about 2.2 billion people on planet Earth today who haven't who 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 will bow their knee to Jesus and call him their Lord. That is pretty exciting. And so here's the thing: Josiah was a reformer. He he was a reviver of people, he was a repairer of the house. He was a rediscoverer of the Word of God. If you read on in 1 Chronicles 34, I haven't time to do it, but they were doing like renovations and somebody found the book of the law and, and this guy comes and he reads it to this young boy and something begins to stir in his heart and he becomes a rediscoverer of the Word of God and he responds to the Word, he responds to God and he was righteous. Something stirs in this. He was also a very young man. He was also a very young man. And this is a challenge to the younger generation here this morning. Here's here's what the Bible tells us about him in, in 1 Chronicles 34. It tells us that he became king at eight, and he reigned 31 years. He died at 39 years of age. All right? He was dead at 39. And he accomplished more in that lifetime. But like Jesus in his 33 years, in that three years accomplished more than most people ever would accomplish in 10 lifetimes he became king at eight. Verse two tells us he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Verse three says, in his eighth year, when he was 16 years of age, in his reign, he began to seek the Lord. Is it any wonder Paul writes to young Timothy and says, don't let anybody despise your youth. By the time he was 20, in the 12th year of his reign, he had moved beyond Jerusalem to the whole land of Israel. Here's the thing folks, some of you young men and women in this house right now have been called to this house and I believe that with all my heart and you might stay here, you might put your roots down here, you might become leaders in this house. I'd love that. You become elders in this house. That's our passion and heart. Some of you might some of you might just be brooding something at the minute for even for the nation that it just goes beyond your Jerusalem that there's a call to do something even greater because here's here's the deal. This, this movement of restoration of God's Spirit in this land, God's Spirit hadn't moved for 57 years. Hezekiah, who was his great-grandfather, had died 57 years er- earlier. And there'd been no move of God. When Hezekiah died, the next guy who was Josiah's granda was a guy called Manasseh. And he was the evilest king. God actually said he was the evilest king that Judah had ever had. He was the evilest king ever to live. He was... And he reigned for 55 years. And when he died, Amnon, Ammon, A-M-O-N, who was Josiah's dad, took over the reign. And he only reigned for two years, which was a good job because he was a wishy-washy, good-for-nothing rascal. He stood for nothing. He had no morals. He, 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 he was immoral. There was orgies, child sacrifice, so much. So much so, under Ammon's reign, God looked at a messed-up nation the, the nation of Judah, and he said he said they'd become more evil and more messed up than the nations he had destroyed for them. It's almost, it's almost unconceivable that this could happen, almost unbelievable. But here's the thing, Josiah's family tree was all of this and more, yet somewhere, somewhere in this young man's soul, he wouldn't be defined by his generation's his parents or his grandparents, there was no excuses with this young man. I hear people saying this all the time. Well, you know, my dad did this, and my granddad did this, and my lineage is this. And my Here's a guy who, who looked it square in the face and decided he wasn't going to be defiled bad, nor was he going to be defined bad. He was going to put down a new foundation, and, and if people followed well and good, uh, but he would build his own altar, and when he decided to build his own altar and follow God, guess what happened? God showed James 5, eight, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You know who makes the first move? We do. And my challenge to you, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal, verse 8. In the 11th year of his reign, when he was 26, he had totally cleansed the land. Now, if you're 26 and under, would you jump to your feet one minute? Come on, stand up for me. If you're 26 and under, stand up. Take a wee look around, folks. Take a wee look around at this room. You see, here's the voices. These are the voices. By the age of 26, this young man had, had totally cleansed the whole nation. You can sit down again, all right? But I, I, the challenge is this. The challenge is this. No king like him before. So, so all of you that stood and everybody else in the room, I think there's a Josiah principle that we need to go after at this moment in time. People who aren't defined by their unfavorable circumstances or by their, who become reformers and revivers and repairers and rediscoverers and responders and a righteous person. Do you want me to tell you how to do it? Do you? Young person, all the 26 young. Do you want me to tell you how to do it? I, I, here, here's, here's my deal. You're not going to like it, all right? But it's the truth, all right? You're going to have to start in your own heart. That's where you're going to have to do it. You'll have to revive your own heart. Nobody else can revive your heart. Nobody else can do it for you. You will have to revive your own heart. You'll have to decide in yourself. You'll have to reform your own life. All right, you'll have to repair your own house. Some of the older folks in here, you might need to repair some stuff. Repair your own house. You need to rediscover your own gifting. Stir up, we're talking about this, Robbie's going to be in this tonight on the charges of Timothy. Stirring up that that heartless in us. Responding to God's call and understanding that righteousness in all that you do is of vital importance. And young people, if you can live live this way, if you can revive your heart, reform your life, repair your own house, rediscover your own gifting, respond to God's call and live a righteous life, something powerful will happen because we live in a day when there's no absolutes. We live in a day where there's a loss of truth. People want to debate and discuss truth. They just don't want to live under it or accept it. We, we, there's a disappearance of virtue. We accept sin today and and, and there's a demise of justice and, and anything goes and we can sort of tolerate exploitation and slavery of children because it doesn't really affect us. No, 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 no. It does affect us. We can't conform to that sort of stuff. We can't. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything and probably everything. We live in a day whenever we exalt nature over people. This is the problem. We value a baby seal more than we actually value the fetus in a woman's womb. This is the danger of the day in which we live. We spend millions to save the isle, and yet we'll spend millions to legalize abortion and destruction of the unborn. It's just not right. We live in a crazy world whose morals have gone so far south, it's actually harder to find them. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we don't stay pure, and if we don't stay wholesome, and and this is a voice to the older people in this room, if we don't stay whole and pure and wholesome and honorable before God, we have no voice. We have no voice. Because it destroys you. Immorality, allowing the walls breaking your life, destroys your voice. And here's my take on it here's my take on it, I believe that this nation will change from within, not from without, because you see, the world is peripheral to the church, not the church to the world, and the voice needs to come from within, and, and not from without, and so for some of you, and it's probably not going to be, I'm 60 this year, and I, I know I think I'm only 29, but it's probably not going to be my voice, it's going to be your voice, Sophie, or, or sorry, it's, going to be, it's going to be your voice, James. It's going to be some of you young men and women in here. Samuel, it could be your voice. Adam, it could be your voice. And, and so here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. There's something on you as a younger generation. And, and, and what we want to do as an eldership in this church is blow every breeze of the Holy Spirit into your sails. We, we, we don't want to, to squash what's going on in you. We want to breeze the, the wind of the Holy Spirit into to see it grow, to see it become alive, to see you become the man and woman of God that you're called to be. You say, Phil, how does it work? How do we do this? Well, Well, here's some things. You just need to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. You need to walk in proven principles. All right? You need to turn. Don't turn aside from the path. And you just need to make some decisions. You see, you see, he say, Well, Phil, what sort of decisions? What sort of decisions? Glad you asked. Here you go. You need to decide to set your affections right. You need to decide, God, I'm, I'm sold out for you. I'm going to live for you for the rest of my You need to tear down the high places. Our morals have got all miscued. And in our, here, here's, here's my take. In our, in, our, in our quest to be relevant to the world, we've just become like them. So we say, Oh, we'll go to the pub and have a pint with our mates, and we'll tell them about Jesus. And before you know it, you're drinking more than they're drinking. And, 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 and you're not changing the world at all. You're just becoming like them after you're becoming worse. And it just waters down godly principles. And so, so we've got we've to understand how to do this. We've got to get our affections right. We've got to decide to live morally Break down the altars of Baal. No more immorality in our lives. We've got to decide to pursue God's will. We've got to decide to have a right perception of God. All the carved images need to go. And we need to decide to leave the past behind. I'm near out of breath. But there's something about this young boy that just... he returned to the word of God. And here's what the Bible says when he returned, look at the last line. After he returned, tore his robes and all, God says, I have heard you. I have heard you. I have heard you. Stevie, do you want to come? We're going to finish with a song as I go through a couple little things here just as we finish. Here's what I find about Josiah he was different. He was different. And my question to you is, is, whatever happened to difference? Whatever happened to difference? We've actually actually made different odd. We say, well, they're a bit odd. You don't go to this, and they don't go to that, and they don't drink, and they don't, you know. And we've made it odd. My challenge to younger people is, it's not odd, it's different. And I'd say to you, dare to be different. Dare to be different dare to be different than the world yes. because that's the voice that's the voice that's going to change the nation and so what I want to do is I want us to stand before I pray and I want us to sing a song we sang this on Wednesday night stir a passion in my heart let's stand together stir a passion in my heart Lord let's do it as our closing song and our prayer tonight or this morning that God would stir a passion younger people, older people the challenge is to live for God, live for God. We're in a run down to glory. And here's the thing, here's the thing. This is not a trial run. We don't get a second shot at this. Somebody said to me the other day, I said, Phil, you think you can maintain this for the rest of your life? And I said, well, looking at probably three quarters if it's over. So I think I'll, I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> and some of you are in my bracket. We're probably heading into the last quarter. <laughs> if God be not come. And what a, what, a wonderful, what a wonderful day that's going to be. Whatever way it'll happen, we're going to stand in the atmosphere of accountability. I don't want to be like Paul and say, God, I made loads of mistakes, but I give this my best shot. And you know what? It dared to be different. And my challenge to you, younger women, younger men, I want to look you in the eye and say, dared to be different. Let's sing this and then we pray and stir a passion in my heart. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.